everybody. Welcome to Our Sinclair. I'm John. And I'm Aaron. And today we're going to be talking about more tea, Vicar. Mm. Now, Aaron, when was the last time any members of the clergy came to visit you? Ha ha! You thought that was a trick question, but they just visited me uh, a few days ago. It was actually Sunday. Uh, I had some uh, fine fellows from the, uh, uh, what was the, uh, Let's see, not the not the Mormons, but the help me out here. The other Jehovah's, the Witnesses. Jehovah's Witnesses came and visited me at my home. Very mm. nice, well dressed couple of fellas. So uh, you can see I'm deep in the religious community. Oh I'm, yes, I'm in yes. There. Um, so were you familiar with the phrase "more tea, vicar"? Before? I was until I played this game. I was not familiar with the phrase. I have to say. So enlighten me, sir. So um, you know, in England, the uh, in the Church of England, they use the term "vicar" as uh, even though it's Ecclesiastical terms are often complex and they have very specific meanings, but uh, most of the time the leader of a church in the Church of England is called the vicar. Mm -hmm. And it's common for your well-to-do homes in England to invite the vicar over for tea. At least this is what I know from watching Keeping Up Appearances. So, um, Or Father Ted. Or Father Ted, uh, even though that's not Church of England. Um, Still, he gets invited over. He does, he does. Um, but uh, so I guess this phrase came about when when uh, kind of inappropriate subjects are being broached and you want to quickly switch gears, you say more tea, Vicar, and that, that sort of resets the table. What are we, what's the American equivalent of that? Like, nice day, isn't it? Or something. That wouldn't even work. Yeah. I don't think we have one. We no, I think we do. It. We just charge right on through until we get right into that. In America, <laughs> we, we don't blows. invite the clergy over. No. Yeah, what was the last time you had the clergy over here? The clergy have never visited now, my, you, my you home. Now, you were a big player at the church. I mean, literally. You were a like didn't you just yeah. with the with the or, the choir? Yeah, like I that? used to be a choir director, and um, but I don't know. It's it always seems weird. Like um, you know, I'm Catholic, and it's pre, families have priests over all the time. They have dinner and stuff like that. But it just it's it's almost like it would be, almost be like having a teacher over to your house. You know, like wouldn't it be weird if a teacher came to your house like when you were in school and like ate dinner with you and your family. It wouldn't be wrong, or but it would just it would just feel like a fish out of water. I situation. think it should happen. Uh, do you remember uh, uh, Sleepy Hollow, right? Ichabod yeah. Crane, right? He in that he would always he would go to visit people. For Absolutely, dinner. and uh, you would think if you if you had a uh, if you were a teacher and you visited all your kids' parents for dinner, you'd get a good idea. You would feel they would feel more involved in the education. Plus, you'd get free eats. That's true. Maybe I need to start angling for that as, a, as an educator. As a band director, you should. And, and what you do is visit the crappiest playing kids' houses first. Mm. Motivate them. That's right. You know? Say, listen, little Johnny's not practicing enough. You know, pass the peas. That's right. And also, you could also assign seating in your band by how good the food is. Oh. Yeah, you didn't think about that, did you? I didn't you? think about yeah. that. Yeah, that's the way I would you do You want to sit first chair, you better you better prepare the spread. We're having what? Pizza? <laughs> no, we're not no, doing that. No, you know, steak. Yeah, that's... Get on it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good angle. I should go for that. Yeah. I like, we may have to adopt this in the States to, to move conversations into a, into a different area. I like it. Yeah. Makes yeah. sense. Had you heard of this game up to this point? No. Um. In fact... It, this this is probably we've played a lot of games with odd names. This is probably the oddest name game that I can think of. It's funny you should say that because me and the Brent were just talking about it on ARG. Uh, the Brent for this week's DOS Games of the '80s picked uh, "Tongue of the <coughs> Tongue of the Fat Man," and we were discussing how that was the stupidestly named game ever. And then the other one I came up with was that uh, 
uh, fat worm steals a sparky. Fat, yeah, fat worm blows a sparky. Blows a sparky. Mm-hmm. That I think that is the winner. You know, it's funny. I, I wanted to talk about this before, and it's just now coming up, but. It seems like in England, they're willing to be a little bit more free and loose with titles of things. Case in point, the first Rod Stewart album. Do you know what they called it in America? No. The Rod Stewart album. They called it the Rod Stewart album? Do you know why they called it that? No. Because in England, it was called an old raincoat will never let you down. An old what won't? An old raincoat will never let you down. Wow. And so they in America, the, the record producers were like, no. That's not. People will not buy an album called that. So in England, they play. They they get they get a little creative. Maybe a little too creative over there. Well, I mean, this one's real odd. But I will say this shooting game, which we're going to cover, has a backstory to fit that title. Did you look into the backstory of this? I game? did not. I did not. I went over to the uh, Chronosoft uh, webpage to get the scoop, and they actually have a little backstory. If I may, I'm going to read some of this here. In fact, I'm going to read it all. It's not that long. Cast your mind forward, if you will, to the year 16,384 A.D. That is far in the future. Decades of drought on Earth have turned farmland and plantations alike into parched wilderness and arid deserts. A lot of purples Not in the good. So basically, billions of mouths to feed uh, the, the Earth's oceans floors have been given over to the production of food. Okay. Makes sense. Like a soiling situation. Tell you what, I hate to, hate to be a guy who has to go pick the crops. Why? You know, get your scuba gear out. Uh, so space is at a premium. Rationing has been introduced for many items such as and such items such as tea and coffee are almost impossible to get. Okay? You notice what I said there, tea and coffee. Uh, divided by bickering governments, the United Planets, the successor to the UN, has noticeably uh, has been noticeably inept as situation spirals out of control. So what what do you do when you can't get your tea and coffee? Fortunately, the Reverend Wayne Fleet of St. Leonard's Chapel near the Sea of Tranquility, part-time farmer, gun runner, and smuggler, wow. has a substantial plantation on this the This is the planet, kind of reverend I want to run with. On which he grows his illegal, genetically modified tea plants. Ooh. Each year, he's able to produce hundreds of tons of low-grade, yet highly sought-after Earl Grey tea, which he's able to sell at the black market to the highest bidder, all while preaching the gospel to audiences across the solar system and beyond. What a life. No way. Here's the, here's the, here's the crux of the game. The Reverend's fleet activities made the, make the authorities deeply uneasy. The illicit, this illicit key's tea cannot be easily taxed. It is not rationed and is beyond the control of the authorities around the galaxy. The powers that be finally passed their first successful resolution in many years. Tea smugglers are declared outlaws, and a bounty is placed upon the head of known traffickers. So in this game, you play... A tea smuggler. A tea smuggler. That's that's right. (laughs) Yes, that is what you play. You are a tea smuggling vicar who is going to... And it's Earl, low grade, genetically altered Earl Grey tea. Earl Grey in the gospel to spread it across the galaxy. Now I will give these guys credit. They didn't just say, "Here's your shooting game." This is a this is a backstory to that's all worth the price of admission right there. So let's just roll right into it, then, Boaster. So again, we're looking at more tea, Vicar, uh, a game that was released in 2012. Now the, this game's kind of funny. Uh, the uh, demo for this game was actually released uh, over nine years before the game was. Wow. So this thing was, this thing sat in limbo for a while. Uh, the game was uh, authored by a fellow named Jonathan Caldwell. He programmed it. Now, I looked up Caldwell. He, he has, a, he's probably the most prolific 
Spectre programmer of them all. This guy has a million titles. In fact, that's pretty much what he, t- he calls himself. He's like, he's the number one continual programmer for the Spectre. Mm. Uh, the uh, graphics and level design were by a fellow named uh, Javier Alcanz. I believe it's the way it's pronounced. He's a Spanish guy. And then the uh, music is done by a, a, a Polish fellow named, uh, well, his name on this game anyway is Yerzimimi. Mm. I, I, again, I'm butchering, but there you go. So, what is this game? It's a shooting game in the realm of, say, a. Uh, uh, what what R type? An R type, or maybe uh, radius? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a uh, uh, straight up shooter. Uh, you control the spacecraft as it rolls uh, to the right, ever to the right, mm-hmm. uh, and try to avoid enemies or shoot them and get to the end of the level. Uh, there are four levels. Now, I played the uh, 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 the Spectrum 128K version of this. <clears throat> There's a 48K version. Which I didn't play uh, because that one's still for sale, mm-hmm. and you can go over to Chronosoft's uh, webpage and buy this thing. I think it's five pounds, I believe is what three ninety nine. Is that I what it was? Three ninety nine, three pound ninety nine, and it the forty eight k version, I think doesn't have music and has a different fourth level mm-hmm. a, a, from what I read. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, when, when playing this game, since we haven't we haven't played any shooters on the uh, on the Specky. So I didn't have a, a, a whole lot of reference right. points of reference to understand how this falls in the pantheon. So I'm just going to grade this on the basis of what I did. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this game has uh, right off right out of the gate, you're uh, introduced to the game with a really awesome looking uh, load screen and, a, and a, uh, this really cool picture. Oh uh, yeah, you know what, it's uh, it, it looks like the bo- one of the bosses from. Um Oh, what's the Sega game where uh, you are? Uh, it's like a first-person type deal. Um, I'm totally blanking on it. <laughs> it's a Sega arcade game. It's not Afterburner, but it's it's one that's it, you're flowing. We got a jetpack. Oh, I know the one you're talking about. It's, it's, yeah, another one. Yeah, it looks like a boss from that game. I'm assuming it's the that the thing you're looking at in the picture is like the worm guy's face right. in this game, but I, I could be wrong. It's a cool looking like high res picture, you know. Um, so when you actually start up the game, you get some awesome music. I mean, consider we've we have heard uh, the sound on the Specky. And well, you know that's the, the the big difference as far as I can tell between the um, between the 128 and the 48K Spectrum is the music chip. It's got this. I think it's called the AY chip, and it really allows the production of music that's on the same level as the Commodore 64 or you know any of the the 8-bit computers. It's really really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, yeah, I thought it was uh, sound was nice, and and the tune it wasn't just like oh yeah, it's got good sound. I mean the tune's good. Yeah, uh, the tunes are real good. Um, so you go to this game. I played through. I, I got through. I got to the second major boss. Mm. Uh, you got a little farther than I. Yeah, did. Uh, but I, and I watched the whole game. You could run through the whole game. It's not a long game. Mm-hmm. You could run through the whole game in about uh, 15, 16 yeah. minutes, I believe. And uh, uh, the game has uh, basically. A, every level has like a a boss and then like sort of a sub boss mm-hmm. that's like that war- and it's the same basic guys you right. see a lot and they kind of come out in different patterns and then you've got a bunch of just like ships that come out sort of like uh, this has a lot for me this reminded me a lot of like say a blood money mm-hmm. it was very it was very similar to a blood money uh, complete with the way that the, the uh, bad guys moved yeah uh, the uh, there 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 are four levels uh, they're just 
uh, they're nondescript except there's one level that has water. That's the one that really comes to mind as being a, you know, a, a little bit different. But for the most part, they're you know, they're the scenery's slightly different, but it's not anything to write home about. Uh, the game is, I would call the game smooth, but but kind of boggy. It's not. It's not. It doesn't. It is not a. It, a super fast game, but it, it, you will have to react quickly. But it's just it's it's not what I would call a super speed. Right. Game. I you know I would call this game a slow moving game. I'm not. That's not to say that it's easy because it's not. Um, but you know you you move slow. The enemies move slow. Um, I spent some time looking at you know watching watching the play through of this game. And I found that if I sped up the speed to like 1.75%, that would be what I'd call an adequate speed for a game like this. It just it just seems like it's a little bit too plodding. That's not to say that it was easy, but it was just it was just moved a little bit too slow. Well, this game, I mean, again, I mentioned it, it reminds me a lot of Blood Money in a bunch of ways. Yeah, I, Blood I, Money runs the same kind Blood of Money slow Blood Money is that too. kind of slow paced game where you're having to, but you, when, despite the fact that you move slow, it's not that's a good thing. Uh, the because the aliens often will move much faster mm-hmm. than your ship. Your mm-hmm. ship, I mean, the game doesn't run slow. It's just that you're slow. Right. Um, in, in Blood Money, uh, you have uh, a store to buy uh, accoutrement for your ship, extra goodies. In this game, you will pick up various things when you are able to defeat a wave of ships. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will have like five or six ships come out. If you blow them all up, there's a pickup. Right. right. Um, the uh, extra stuff you can get, for example, there's a back shot. There's also uh, a little like buddy ship that comes out uh, that that kind of helps you. You know, it kind of hovers around mm-hmm. you like a guard satellite mm-hmm. or something. Like almost like a drone. I uh, I didn't find the either one of the I didn't find any of the power ups to be that helpful. To be honest with you, the the, the I mean the drone thing's well, okay, but I mean it's never right where you need to be shooting yeah, the, at, at any one time. The drone thing essentially doubles your firepower, so it is useful. You just have to figure out how to kind of trick it to go where you want yeah, it to go. Yeah, because it always sort of stays above you, and so it's always shooting above right. you, and so you have to sort of wiggle around. Uh, the uh, I I found when I played this game, I found firing to be a real tough situation. I it, it, the this game. Is a pretty smooth game, mm-hmm. and you can fire very rapidly. And it, I mean, where's Brent when you need him? This is the kind of game you need, like a Brent level track and field star to hit those, yeah. to hit the fire button because it will go as quick as you can. And you need to crank out firepower at an alarming rate right. because the while you're plodding along like a doofus, the enemy is coming at you at a breakneck pace, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. This is one of those games that I started out playing it with the stick. Um, with a with a joypad actually, but I ended up switching over to the keyboard just because I wanted that you tactile. Wanted spa- did you use yeah. the space bar for fire? I, I didn't. I just used a key on the keyboard. Yeah, I, I did the same thing because I, I thought I could fire at a faster mm-hmm. clip. Yeah, uh, than I could on the joystick, and it, it, it I don't know if it helped. I, it was okay. Uh, the um, the enemies in this are again just like blood money. They just are just like shapes. Mm-hmm. There's not like they don't look like enemy ships or anything. They just look like shapes. Right. Occasionally, there's sort of like a maybe something that looks like sort of like an olive. They've all out or a beach ball. They've all got a pattern that they follow yeah. as they kind of tromp across the screen. Um, you know, enemy movement is uh, is is not 
what you'd call organic. Yeah. When you shoot uh, an enemy, uh, there's a satisfying sort of a, a shower of sparks mm-hmm. or, or uh, parts of the ship that fly off, right. which is pretty cool. Uh, it can get a little busy looking, uh, but I mean, it's, it's uh, I, I didn't think it ever really affected me in an adverse way. Just when you're panicking and trying to shoot stuff, it can be tough. Uh, when you get killed, uh, depending on where you're at in the level, it will start you somewhere near where you're at, or sometimes I have to start over, depending on where you're at. Uh, the sub-bosses are these uh, I, sort of like a disjointed worm thing that comes out. It's sort of got like a uh, it's like a square head, and then it's got like balls behind it. You know, right. Uh, which we've seen that sort of same kind of gimmick. Again, it reminded me of... That was Space Harrier. Like, Space Harrier. Yeah. That's, yeah. Um, and, and, and you just shoot this thing in the head, and, and on as you progress the game, uh, the patterns change, become more difficult. Uh, the end boss for the first wave is this guy with these four rotating satellites. Mm-hmm. This guy killed me like four million times. <laughs> I don't know how, I don't know if you... If, if yeah, you, I, died, I died frequently. So yeah. I finally figured out, uh, and this is a little spoiler, that if you go all the way to the upper left-hand corner, he can't hit you. Really? And that's because otherwise, I just thought, I was like, how do you beat this guy? What am I doing wrong? Do you need to get inside the satellites? But you would go up and how did, how did you beat him? The only him? way I could beat him is if I managed to keep that drone with me the whole time. I could, and then I just went I to couldn't town. get enough shots on him to do that. So mm-hmm. I, 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 but if you go up in the corner, he can't hit you. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that uh, as I went through the game and then watched the playthrough, that it's a similar situation where if you find the right spot, you get in that spot, yeah. you're okay. Uh, so, but the, the the bosses. I mean, it's cool that a game like this has a boss. But I mean, yeah, again, this is a kind of game you have to sort of put it in, in perspective because uh, uh, it, it did come out in 2012 on 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 uh, 128k, and it's. But I mean, so if you if you look at it that way, it's a it's a quite an apt shooter. I thought, <coughs> and I thought it was uh, ran in a decent clip. My, I guess my biggest problems with it were the were the were the shooting was a I would I, I'm one of these guys I like I'd rather just have a rapid fire button or have something where I can wing them out quicker. I mean, really, I had to labor to get the shots out. I don't know I don't know why exactly. I don't know what that means. Yeah, I didn't have a problem with the shooting. I, I think that this game kind of just holds limited interest to me uh, at all. I, I always. I always struggle keeping my attention with any game. The only objective is just to blow up stuff in front of you. There's a couple games that I think are really good that do different things that that incorporate, uh, you know, moving to the right and blowing stuff up. There's an Atari game called Laser Gates that we've both played before where you're racing against the clock to finish a stage and at the same time having to blow stuff up and blow up walls and things and adding that extra element. You know, this game came out in 2012. You know, gameplay uh, kind of uh, has evolved and it's a shame that there's nothing else to do in this game other than just blow stuff up. but there are some people that love these type of games, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock it. It's just not my cup of tea. One thing that, like I said, I don't have a I don't, I, I didn't really I haven't played any other shooters, so I don't have a frame of reference. But as as a shooting game goes, on a system with these specifications, I thought it was I thought it was actually pretty impressive. You know, it's I would like to play more 128k games just to see what that what what it brings to the table because um, this game doesn't seem like it would be you know, out of place on the 48K, um, you know, and I looked online to see if I could find any playthroughs of the 48K version, they were all the 128K. So, um, you know, I wonder how much of the 128 is just that, the fourth level and the music. I don't know, I didn't try it, because that one's for sale, so I wasn't gonna try to pirate that yeah. But, you know, overall, uh, shooting games aren't my bag usually, but I thought this was, I thought it was okay. 
And I have went back to it. I did play it a bunch of times. It's a quick play. You know, it, it does, it emulates fine. I didn't have any trouble emulating it once I uh, got, I, I did it first, but it's because I had it on the wrong machine. Uh, yeah, I was trying to run the 128K on the 48K and that mm. didn't work. Uh, but uh, color-wise, it, 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 it has a sort of limited palette, uh, but I will say that they managed to um, not have the color clash be that big yeah, a thing. Yeah, you can see it if you're looking for it, but they figured out just in, inventive places, ways yeah. to, to, to get around it. And I didn't think that, uh, you know, color is never a problem on the Spectrum. It's it's such a colorful machine. Right, right. I just wonder if they were truly using the 128K to its fullest potential, if they could have added more color either to the enemy sprites or to, to your own ship. Mm -hmm. So I did look up, I, you know, I was looking for ways to help me not get killed and i did find one it was unfortunately i found it after the fact uh if you if you hold down the j and c keys simultaneously you uh, you have immunity hmm. yeah you so think they did that on purpose you have to pause the game jc oh, yeah Vicker? I, I don't know you got me uh so let's talk just before we move on i want to talk about chronosoft a little bit this is because I, I these guys have published like four million things right now i'm like what is the scoop on these guys so get this boat, because I mean, have you ever heard of Chronosoft? No. It's a UK-based non-profit software publishing house, uh, and it's been around since 2002, and it does it does utilities and games for uh, retro computers. They've made games for the, uh, the the Spectrum is our number one place that they do most of their work, but they've done stuff for the C64, the VIC-20, the Amstrad, and the Dragon uh, 32. And so they've, and they've put out a zillion games. And uh, they have stated they're gonna be putting out stuff for like stuff like the Coco and the Auric and the Texas Instrument. Really? And they've also mentioned uh, uh, that they may uh, do some stuff for the CD, uh, the Amiga CD32, the Game Boy 3DO. There's a bunch of times, this is from their history and from the wiki I looked up. So they've got a, some interesting uh, uh, titles. I mean, they've got a ton of titles. I was going to list them. There were just like literally just like a hundred titles. They've done a ton of stuff. So I have a feeling we're going to be here running into these guys in the future. But if you think about this as, as a game that was uh, only made commercially available in 2012 and was well after the long, long since gone uh, Spectrum was a, was a force. I mean, uh, it. I think it's a pretty decent uh, level of programming, a professional level. This doesn't feel like some sort of PD thing or something. This is a straight up, you could, this was, it could have uh, fit in as a commercial release uh, at any point. Oh yeah, I think, you know? absolutely. Uh, so, when you get to the end of this game, you fight, You basically fight a giant head. Mm -hmm. Did you watch that? Mm -hmm. did, did you read if that head was based on like the uh, the Chronosoft CEO no. or anything like that? <laughs> no, I did not see that. <laughs> that wouldn't surprise me. Um, so this game actually is incredibly well received, Boat. So on uh, World of a Spectrum, it received uh, an 8.12, mm. a very uh, lofty score. I actually found some scores for uh, for other from other outfits. Um, Retro Gear Magazine looked at this and gave it a 92%. Wow. Uh, uh, RGCD gave this a 4 out of 5, and OldSchoolGaming.com gave it a 9 out of 10. High marks indeed. Now, um, I'm assuming at least part of those scores is for the technical achievement achieved by this game. I don't, because as a game, I don't think I would rate it that high. I would say I would probably put it somewhere closer to like 6 or 7. Me, I, I mean, I think it's above average shooter. But uh, uh, and also it's just sort of not my thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm sure it's a technical achievement. You earn, earn some higher marks. Let's see what our uh, Discord community said. Uh, Duncan Styles says, 
Uh, great graphics and sound in music add polish to this tough as nails shooter. A highly frustrating game with cheap tricks like dead ends, navigation yes. of unreasonably tight spaces, and entire waves of enemies later in the game that are best left well alone. 6.5 out of 10, but he does really like the music. Yeah. Uh, Chris Fold says, a fun but fundamentally flawed shooter. If you miss or lose power-ups, it quickly becomes impossible to progress past the waves of enemies. That is true. A slight tweak to the difficulty and power-up system and you could have had a winner. 6 out of 10. And finally, Graham Vebke, who chose this game as part of Clive's Club, he says, It is no Xenapse or R-Type, but it attempts to combine elements of both those gems into a homebrew title. It plays well, looks great, and has wonderful music. But its difficulty curve, along with requiring certain power-ups to clear specific enemy waves, stops this from being brilliant. But it's worth a fiver. 7 out of 10. Uh, which I think they all sort of fill in the line. <laughs> yeah, I will say it does have uh, an, um, sort of like in the Xenon 2 vein of gameplay that you can go down a dead end street, mm. uh, which is, and uh, if, at the, the bottom of the screen, warn you, it'll though, warn you. Yeah, yeah it'll, it'll give you a little hint. And he does, as you get later on in the game, the, the waves do get a little ridiculous, and there is tight spaces, but you know, maneuvering and stuff. I didn't think it was all that bad, no, but I, I didn't get far enough to where it was really super tight. Yeah. So. You know, I, I had a much easier time maneuvering in this game than I did in a game like Blood Money, where I just constantly feel like I'm in a tight corridor and I can't move. Well, Blood Money would, I think, would put you in a slightly more, because Blood Money would scroll up and down, That's and true. right. That's true. Uh, but, um, again, this, these games are very similar to me in, in the way they feel. That kind of, sl- you're, you're, lo- you're slothing around the screen, and in the meantime, a bunch of weird shapes are coming at you in their patterns. It's funny how these things come at you in patterns, and there are patterns you can readily see, but you just can't do anything about it. Right. And you think, oh, can I, because there's no room to maneuver most of the time. They love sending uh, enemy ships down little... Uh, Tunnels that you have to be in, and where you're, you know, you're both. So you really, you get to a point, and this happened to me quite a few times, where if you can't shoot fast enough while backing up, mm-hmm. you're dead. And that's the key. You really yeah. have to develop a strong trigger finger. They, they don't give you the opportunity to use maneuvering. Mm-hmm. Uh, not all. Sometimes they do, but often they don't to yeah. give you the ability to remove maneuver out that's of the way of the, of the enemy. And so that rapid that, fire stick recommended for this. One. At, yeah, I mean, almost certainly, I would, I would love to have like the old Turbo Graphics. Right. You know, put it on three, go to work. Yeah. Um, so. Before we wrap up this week's show, Aaron, I just want to remind all of you out there in listener land that uh, if you enjoy Our Sinclair and you'd like to support the show, you can go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Our Sinclair. Uh, please also spread the word if you know anybody that is into Spectrum, if you're part of any local user groups or anything, let them know about the show. We'd love to have them. Um, I'd like to thank our uh, supporters, all the people that support the show on Patreon, uh, Graham Vebke, Frodo NL, Tapes from the Crypt, Pixels at Dawn, Chris Folds, Paul Harrington, and Christopher Hassel. And next week, Aaron, we are going to be playing Turbo Esprit. It's another racing game. This is Turbo Esprit by Durrell. Um, this is uh, chosen for us by Clive's club member, Chris Folds. And uh, I know that you love a good racing game, that, so do I. That's true. It's funny. I, I, uh, occasionally on Discord, I'll peek in there and see what's coming, but I didn't catch this one. You know, uh, speaking of Discord, uh, there's been a conversation going on there about what, if you're going to get into the spectrum, uh, which one to buy. Mm-hmm. And I've been watching this with great interest because, as you know, I've, I've got my hand, the trigger fingers. It's, I'm ready to, I'm ready to pull a trigger boat on and get me uh, something tangible that I can play this stuff on. Uh, and there's a lot of really good. Uh, 
Uh, we I've eavesdropped a lot of great conversations in there. Uh, it, it, I love Discord. It's, yeah, it's the best. It's amazing. The um, you know, there's no clear answer really in terms of what spectrum. There's no ultimate be and all and all uh, spectrum. Some people say the the plus two A. Some people say that's no good. Um, but uh, it's good to it's good to be able to draw upon the knowledge of all the fine folks that we have over there. And if you support the show at any level, you get access to that that Discord server. So. Yeah, it's great. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody that's hanging out with us in the chat right now. Uh, Barkbit, Dazzly, Michael Ryan, Jason Plevin, Pixels at Dawn, Graham Bebke, Ten Minute Amiga Retrocast, Duncan Styles. Uh, thank you guys, Retro Tech and Toys. Uh, thank you for joining us. We record the show almost every Friday, although next week we will be recording on Sunday. Um, be sure and uh, click that little bell icon on our YouTube if you want to be notified when we go live and join us in the chat. We'd love to have you. Yeah. All right, Aaron. We'll see you next week. And until then, rewind tape. And press play.